One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You had them lay on the floor and kill them both execution style. Who served up these two grisly murders at a Rhode Island burger joint? And why? It is about love and divorce and sex and younger women. All fitting motives for three seedy suspects. A bigamist husband, a peeping Tom, and a jailbird junkie. He was diabolical and lives in this kind of crazy fantasy world. Maybe some poison pen letters from prison will help police end this scandalous story. It's so shocking in so many ways that people can't stop reading about it. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Just a half hour north of Providence, the scenic riverside town of Woonsocket, Rhode Island, is nicknamed the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. And its once thriving textile trade is still woven into the tapestry of everyday life. Woonsocket seems to be a, a city that really cherishes its historical values. There's one or two mills where textiles are actually spun. In fact, born and bred locals have their own unique spin on just about everything. Uh, people are always making fun of the way we talk. Rug-to-rug -rug carpeting is how they describe wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. Instead of parking their cars next to each other, they'll say they park their cars side by each. But nothing gets lost in translation for Woonsocket natives, like lifetime local Tammy Petrin. This happy-go-lucky 21-year-old lives in the very same apartment building as her parents and brother, Ron Petrin Jr., there's no place else this hometown girl would rather be. She was a loving, caring sister. I mean, like I said, we had our disagreements from time to time, but we had a pretty happy childhood. Tammy's family has always been there for her, even when she married local delivery driver Ronald Harnois. Twenty years her senior, Ronald and Tammy married before her high school diploma was even dry. Seems the older man made young Tammy feel all grown up. But Tammy's family knows little about this May-December romance. I'm not sure how she met him. We knew nothing, nothing about him at all. When her husband's wandering eye causes their marriage to fail, Tammy struggles to make ends meet. 
taking orders at a local fast food place to pay the bills. But her sunny disposition gets her through. Tammy was, was always happy with what she was doing. Um, she didn't have very lofty career goals. You know, I think she was happy just going day by day. But in the summer of 1991, just when the living seems easy, Tammy finds herself thrown from the fryolator into the fire. Sergeant Kyle Stone may be the greenhorn on the Woonsocket police force, but this cop was born with blue running through his veins. My father was in law enforcement at the state level. I, I was studying criminal justice in college, and I fell in love with it and decided I'd, I'd like to be a police officer. And at 6 o'clock Tuesday morning, July 30th, Stone gets a chance to strut his stuff. A panicked call comes in from the manager of the local burger joint. He just found two employees, Tammy Petron and Jenner Valeda, sprawled on the floor. With that, Stone races to the restaurant. I was feeling so many different things at that time. So many things were entering my mind. It's almost like a, a cerebral overload, not having any idea what I was walking into. When Sergeant Stone arrives at the restaurant, he's greeted by the manager, who's as shaken as a mango smoothie. I realized that this was anything but routine. This was nothing that I ever encountered. And when the manager directs the officer back behind the service counter, what Stone sees confirms his worst fears. And I saw Miss um, Petron lying in a pool of deep, red, thick blood. It was apparent to me that Miss um, Petron had suffered a, a head injury, possibly a gunshot. So the resolute responder takes a closer look. And that's when he gets an eyeful of something that seems downright miraculous. Tammy Petron is still alive. What still sticks in my mind is she was still kind of gasping for breath. I still have that vision. Stone radios for backup and an ambulance that whisks Tammy to the hospital. Then he steals himself to look for the second body and finds janitor Jenner Valeda just around the corner shot dead. This was now a homicide investigation. Uh, I was quite overwhelmed. This is nothing I had been exposed to. You really can't be trained for something like this. Sure looks like this is one whopper of a case. Good thing Stone knows a brother in blue who'll be hungry for answers. Sergeant Brian Kane has spent a lifetime calling Woonsocket home. Fact is, in his 58 years, the biggest move he's made is his recent promotion from beat cop to detective, his dream job. What I like about investigation work is you pretty much have to use your brain and stuff. I enjoyed the uh, mental challenge of it. And Kane has quite a lot to think about when big bad crime hits his tiny town. The determined detective hightails it down to the greasy spoon faster than a counter clerk can say, for hero to go. And when he steps inside, he susses out the scene. At the time when I first got in there, and I, I didn't have any idea of, of what a motive was because I didn't have any of the, the evidence. But Kane has a theory. Both victims were killed execution style with a single shot to the head. So maybe the trigger man had them in his crosshairs before he even stepped inside. And the shooter's evil intent expands like shrapnel from a bullet 
when Sergeant Kane gets word that Tammy died at the hospital. It, it emotionally takes a little bit out of you. This has now happened to people where they were shot and killed. So you, you gotta think of why did this happen? Looking for the reason why someone would want either of them dead, detectives begin combing through the background of each victim. Some of the janitor's friends confirm the gunman probably wasn't after him. They describe Jenner as a clean-cut guy without an enemy in the world. Jennifer Leda would go in overnight and clean up the Burger King. We couldn't find any evidence to show that he would be the target of the murder. So maybe Jenner was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the killer was really gunning for cashier Tammy Petrin. But why? If we could try to piece together what the possible motive was, it's going to be one little piece of the puzzle that you're going to have to attach to another little piece of the puzzle and just keep getting that puzzle uh, made as quickly as possible. When news of Tammy's murder reaches her brother, Ron, he has a feeling he knows who's holding the missing piece to this puzzle, Tammy's estranged husband, Ronald Harnois. When my sister was murdered, we didn't, we didn't think it was a random attack. We suspected that Ronald was involved. Sergeant Kane isn't all that surprised Tammy's family would suspect Ronald. Kane knows that Ronald is the kind of guy who wants it his way. I, I look at him as being a very warped individual. He's going to try to manipulate uh, his life how he wants it, whether it's the right way or the wrong way. In fact, Ronald has no qualms about double-dipping, big time. Seems old Ron put the big in bigamy. He's already married to another woman at the time he weds Tammy. Ronald was nothing more than a con artist. You had a, a young girl that was naive, really didn't know the ways of the world, and Ronald Hanwa took advantage of that. In fact, Ronald is so conniving that soon after marrying Tammy, he decides to blow up his older bride and tries to make Tammy an accomplice. So Tammy was slated to testify against him in court. She was the witness in the attempted murder case that was ongoing and that was coming up for trial. Maybe Tammy's slippery spouse was thinking dead wives tell no tales and decided to silence wife number two for good. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. In Woonsocket, Rhode Island, locals make the most of the short New England summers by going out to dine on the finest of local delicacies, some scrumptious seafood. But on the day Tammy Petrin and Jenner Valeda are shot dead at a downtown fast food joint, no one has much of an appetite. Certainly to hear of any murder in Woonsocket, much less than double murder of this nature, would be startling. This was a huge event in Woonsocket. But Assistant Attorney General Patrick Youngs has an inside track on this case. And don't let his disheveled do fool you. This guy is as smooth as silk when it comes to locking up bad guys. My reputation within the office is I'm usually the one who's got the messy hair and the wrinkled suits and the tie askew when I go to court. But I think I just give that appearance. Now, Youngs teams up with Woonsocket's top cop, Sergeant Brian Kane. And this pair has singled out one guy as the likely killer, Tammy's bigamist husband. Certainly, Ronald Harnois became our prime suspect from day one. I thought that this is too much of a coincidence for Ronald Harnois to not have been involved in this. And Youngs should know. After all, he was about to try Harnois for attempting to kill his other wife a year earlier. So Youngs wasn't exactly surprised when he learned Tammy was found shot in the burger joint. So when I heard the name Tammy Petron, but I recognized the name right away, she was my star witness in my upcoming attempted murder trial. But it seems this cheater's double life is doubling back to do him in. Ronald Harnois was married to two women at the same time. He was married to Tammy, who was about 20 years younger than him. He was married to another wife who was about his age. Ronald Harnois wanted to get rid of his first wife. 
since Ronald had been through a costly divorce years before, he hatched a plan to keep perky wife Tammy and ditch the senior spouse. In early August of 1990, Ronald Hahn's wife was driving through the city of Woonsocket and uh, a pipe bomb exploded underneath her car. And when the police arrived, they found five additional unexploded pipe bombs. Seems Ronald's pipe bomb plot backfired, literally. And when he tried to use Tammy as his alibi, she foiled that plan too. Tammy Petron uh, agreed to cooperate with the police, and she clearly implicated Ronald Harnois in, in the attempted murder of his other wife. So it looks like Ronald decided it was best to keep tattling Tammy off the witness stand. He probably felt that once Tammy was gone, he was going to be scot-free because he would have no one to testify against him. But as much as this double murder seems like an open and shut case, there's one big problem with this picture. He's got a great alibi. He's in jail. Clearly, he's not in one socket at the time of the murder. He was in the adult correctional institute in Cranston, Rhode Island. More frustrating still, there's nothing tying Ronald to the crime. So cops feel they have no reason to question him about it. We never interviewed Ronald about Tammy's murder. We knew that he was not out of prison and couldn't do Tammy's murder. So with the most promising suspect already behind bars, no hard evidence, and no one else on deck, the prosecutor and the policeman returned to the scene of the crime, the neighborhood around the restaurant. We started to get statements from all the different people that were there at the scene. You've got a lot of people to talk to. You've got a lot of people to question. So like a politician campaigning for president, Detective Kane presses the flesh with anyone he can find. Kane finally gets lucky when he meets up with a call girl named Candy. One of the people that we spoke to was a prostitute. And she was out there actually walking the street trying to pick up an early morning trick. And she told us that she had seen a blue vehicle driving two or three times around the restaurant. Unsure whether the driver was looking for some action or waiting for the restaurant to open, she kept an eye on the car. The witness told us it was a small blue car. Unfortunately, she didn't get a, a license plate, but she did say that uh, she would be able to recognize the car if she saw it again. But before Sergeant Kane can issue an APB for the car, he gets a phone call that almost gives him sticker shock. Kane, how can I help you? On the other end of the line is a woman following up on a stolen car report. And the vehicle sure sounds like their mystery mobile. Turns out it was in the hands of her slacker son all along, Gary Maxey. And Kane does a double take when he hears the rabble rouser's name. Gary had been involved in, in other criminal matters. He had been in trouble. Since he doesn't have murder on his menu, it's possible that Gary was just out that morning for a sunrise snack. Or maybe this joyriding jokester had a more sinister scheme in mind. I felt very strongly that he had some type of involvement in these homicides. Sure seems to detectives that the hot wheels have led to a hot suspect. Question is, can Woonsocket police gather enough evidence to serve this kid a double murder rap with a side of fries?
three days after employees Tammy Petrin and janitor Jenner Valeda are gunned down inside a local fast food dive, an ill wind blows through the town of Woonsocket. The fact that it was a shooting at a restaurant, you know, added a certain element to it that already heightened my curiosity about what was going on. Good thing that when it comes to getting the scoop, reporter Russ Olivo of the Woonsocket Call is faster than the server at the local Dairy Queen. And he's got plenty of news to feed a town hungry for updates. It's so shocking in so many ways that people can't stop reading about it. It is about love and divorce and sex and younger women. And there's a horrific violent element to it as well. Luckily, Sergeant Brian Kane is on the trail of a hot suspect. 25-year-old Gary Maxey. Seems the live-at-home layabout made off with his mom's car and may have been driving it around the restaurant at the time of the murders. Plus, this bad news bear has a string of outstanding warrants tied to his name. The criminal record did involve possession of drugs, did involve the, the theft of blank checks and writing out bad checks and passing them in different locations. Not exactly a killer's resume, but that doesn't mean Gary isn't up to no good, especially considering how far Gary has fallen. Gary Maxey was a bright star athlete, had a tryout with the New England Patriots. Very respectful, but just was blinded by his lust for cocaine. Investigators wonder if it was his need to feed his habit that led this cokehead to try and burgle the burger joint. He had a criminal record, which is a, kind of a common for drug abusers to have. They'll do anything for money. But maybe he bungled the job and took out two employees when he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. That did raise flags with us. We started to look into all this information. Police are determined to tame this troublemaker. And with arrest warrants in hand, they hightail it over to Mama Maxie's nest. When they get a gander of Gary, he knows his goose is cooked. So he surrenders without a fight. And police slap on the cuffs. Gary Maxey was unfazed, really, by the fact that he was being taken into custody. Investigators haul this punk away and tow the car in question back to the station. Then they invite Candy, the hooker who spotted the blue car, to come down and see if she can find it on the lot. She immediately picked out Gary Maxey's mother's car. Now, she didn't get the plate, so this wasn't like a perfect match. It never could be without the plate. But of all the cars in that lot, she went right to the car and said, that's the car. Sure looks like the cards are stacking up against Gary. So detectives throw him in the hot seat and turn up the flame, hoping a confession boils to the surface. Gary was basically denying everything, that he didn't know what we were talking about, that he told me that he didn't know either one of the victims. And when investigators ask Gary why a car looking like his mom's was seen circling the restaurant, Gary insists his wheels were somewhere else. He claims he was crashing at a buddy's pad after partying all night. He said that he spent the night doing cocaine with a man he referred to as Boogie. But after Gary tells them he can't remember where the party took place, police think his Boogie Nights story is bogus. 
I didn't really find him credible at all. The information that showed he was involved, of course, you're going to have doubts with everything that he says. Sure sounds like Gary's story is one fry short of a kid's meal. And investigators are hungry to find their killer. So they ask their favorite working girl if Gary looks like the guy she saw behind the wheel. The woman who saw the car circling the restaurant described the driver. And the driver she described did not match Gary Maxey. So without a positive ID, investigators know they don't have enough to keep Gary on their plate. At least for now. We had a strong suspicion. But with regard to the murders, we didn't have anything we could really wrap our arms around. At least the old charges against Gary Maxey will keep him in the slammer for a spell. But leaving him simmering on the back burner gets Sergeant Kane hot under the collar. The way I'm feeling it, it's almost like uh, I'm banging my head against the wall. I want to be able to make the arrest. But even this dedicated detective realizes that sometimes the best way to solve a case is to take a step back. And for Kane, there's no better way to bring things back into line than taking aim with a pool cue. On Fridays, I like to go to a local bar and grill, play a little pool, have a few drinks, talk, and just relax with my friends. Racking them up and making the break takes Kane's mind off cracking the case for a moment without taking his eye off the ball. Meeting with friends helps me to uh, get all the tensions of the day, just let them slide away and uh, just enjoy myself. But Kane knows it's going to take more than a shake of the magic eight ball to solve this case. And luckily, soon after the shootings, a tip comes into the station that gives it a jumpstart. Tammy's downstairs neighbor remembers seeing something suspicious around the time of Tammy's murder. A neighbor on the second floor apartment over here saw a man going up the fire escape, looking into Tammy's apartment. And then when she saw the man, the man saw her, he took off. Could this peeping Tom somehow be involved in Tammy's murder? Investigators admit the timing is certainly suspicious. He was seen on the fire escape uh, outside of Tammy Petrin's apartment uh, just a few weeks before the, the murders took place. That did raise flags with us. This neighbor had also reported the unwanted visitor to Tammy's family immediately after she saw him flee. But they didn't give it much thought until Tammy's life was cut short. At the time, though, we didn't think that someone was there to try to hurt Tammy. We th you know, they thought maybe someone trying to commit a robbery or something like that. But investigators are giving this suspicious sighting a second thought now, especially since the neighbor tells police she recognized the vanishing villain as local bad boy Stephen Wilson. She knew Stephen Wilson because they went to junior high school together. She was afraid of Stephen Wilson. He was known to, to be, be violent. He was known to have a temper. And this 40-something tough guy is no stranger to police either. He's a frequent guest at the county lockup. Stephen Wilson had multiple arrests with the Woonsocket Police Department. Most of his criminal background was in breaking and entering, larcenies, drug possession, drug deliveries. Prosecutor Youngs wonders why this petty thief would be interested in Tammy. And his best guess? 
is to follow the money. He lived the life of, of a drug user, somebody that lived hand to mouth, somebody who would do anything for a quick buck. Since nothing was taken from Tammy's apartment, investigators wonder if Stephen may have upped the ante and taken out Tammy right behind the service counter. Something sure smells fishy, and detectives are betting it isn't a fish sandwich. Stephen Wilson seemed the type of man certainly capable of committing this murder. So investigators set out to hook a suspect. But do they have enough to reel in this shark? One month after the slayings on Social Street, folks in Woonsocket are sweating at the thought that a killer is still on the loose. But as summer nears its end, all Tammy Petron's loving brother Ron can wonder is when this case will finally heat up. I really didn't know what was going on with the investigation. I'm not sure why the police didn't charge anyone. It was amazing to us. Detective Brian Kane of the Woonsocket Police knows he needs to serve up a solid suspect fast. And one name is looking mighty tempting, local tough guy Stephen Wilson. A neighbor spotted Stephen peering into Tammy's window a week before her murder. Stephen Wilson had quite an extensive criminal background and had been arrested a number of times by the Woonsocket Police Department. So it's no surprise that investigators find Stephen chillin' in state prison. The two-bit crook is on the hook for a number of drug busts. Stephen Wilson had been picked up shortly after the, the murders had taken place on arrest warrants issued by the court. Stephen doesn't have anything violent on his rap sheet, so investigators wonder whether he was mean enough to waste a fast food cashier and janitor. But he was seen hanging around Tammy's digs, so investigators head over to the state pen to grill this bad boy. And prosecutor Patrick Youngs knows that getting the jailbird to sing won't be easy. The police met with him and spoke to him, and they tried to rattle his cage. He's not the type of man that, that's easily rattled. So investigators throw Stephen under the heat lamp to sweat out some answers about why he was casing Tammy's place and whether there's a possible link to the short-order shooting. But just when they think they'll get something cooking, Stephen clams up tighter than a New England oyster and refuses to answer any questions about Tammy Petron or her murder. He was very cautious in the way that he was talking to us. He had told us that uh, in our short conversation with him that he had an attorney and we didn't have the attorney's okay to question him on this. Even with Stephen lawyered up, investigators are positive this common criminal is somehow involved with the murders. And it's more than his silence that makes him suspicious. Turns out the neighbor who spotted Stephen looking into Tammy's window had sharp eyes and quick wits. The lady that saw him get into a car, she had the wherewithal to write down the plate, describe the car as a great car. And when investigators run the tag on the gray vehicle, they're amazed to find it belongs to the girlfriend of earlier suspect, Gary Maxey. The police spoke to Gary Maxey's girlfriend, and we, we were able to confirm that. Gary Maxey parked this car all the time. He used to get so frustrated, he would take it and never, not come back for hours or days at a time. So the gray car clearly links Gary and Stephen, but police have an even more telling connection. 
A hooker already matched Gary's mom's blue car to the one outside the restaurant on the night of the murder. But she's pretty sure Gary wasn't behind the wheel. Perhaps Steve was. And when police dig into the two men's pasts, they unearth a bond that began behind bars. We knew through prison records that both of them were in prison at the same time. But as police ponder this apparent criminal bromance, it's not until a few days later that they get a lead that could give this case some traction. We actually received a call from an inmate. What happens in cases like this is that you have people who are in trouble. They want help in getting rid of their charges. And then they'll say, look it, um, I need some help, but I'm, I can give you this. Seems convicted druggie Jerry Watts is looking for a get-out-of-jail-free card to escape the county lockup. In exchange, he says he knows what really happened that terrible Tuesday morning. Watts tells Sergeant Kane that he just happened to be strolling down Social Street when he stopped to smoke a joint outside the fast food dive. He was actually sitting outside Burger King on the morning of the murders and told us that while he was there, he heard three gunshots. And what he says went down after the shots rang out throws this sturdy sergeant off his feet. He got up, ran around to the back of the Burger King where the drive through lane is, and saw Stephen Wilson at the one of the exit doors to the restaurant. Jerry goes on to say that he has history with Stephen Wilson and would recognize the lowlife anywhere. He knew Wilson and had been involved with buying drugs from Stephen Wilson. So he knew Wilson very well. But it seems to Kane that Jerry's tale is just a little too convenient to be true. Maybe this user's simply trying to sell him a bill of goods to land a deal. So Kane asks why he didn't come forward earlier. Jerry says that's easy. It's because Stephen recognized him too. When he saw Wilson, Wilson saw him. He became extremely scared and took off running. Kane's been around the block enough times to suspect Jerry wouldn't admit to being at the crime scene if he was the killer. So it seems the facts against Stephen are piling up faster than beef patties on a juicy double cheeseburger. We have the evidence that he was seen outside of Tammy's apartment spying on her. And right after the gunshots were heard, he was seen at an exit door of the Burger King by someone else. But Prosecutor Youngs knows they're going to need more than the word of a jail junkie to make an arrest in Tammy's case. And we still had this strong suspicion, but not enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And proof beyond a reasonable doubt is different than proof on a TV show. You really have to have it. And you only get one shot. And we wanted to have the best shot we could. For now, detectives feel sure they know the who of this whodunit. All this evidence would lead anybody to believe that Stephen Wilson and Gary Maxey had some type of involvement in this crime. But without the why or how, they've still got no case. 
and investigators can't figure out what prompted these guys to 86 Tammy Petron and Jenner Valeda. Since no money was taken, robbery doesn't seem to be the motive. So was it a personal grudge or part of some sinister plot? And that's when a surprise visitor walks into the Woonsocket police station and delivers a covert communique that may reveal all the answers. These were letters that talked about getting rid of Tammy. These were letters that, that talked about asking Stephen Wilson and Gary Maxey to kill Tammy. Looks like investigators have just been handed a signed, sealed, and delivered confession. But without a return address, can they identify the suspicious sender? Six years after a double dose of murder rocks the quiet town of Woonsocket, Rhode Island, detectives have their eyes on two local bad boys, Stephen and Gary. I felt very strongly that Stephen Wilson and Gary Maxey had some type of involvement in these homicides. The only motive that I could come up with would have been a motive for profit. Did this delinquent duo hatch a plan to break into the local burger joint to score some lunch money and wind up botching the burglary instead, leaving behind two bodies? Investigators can only guess until they find a way to tie these crooks to the crime. It was very frustrating. We could never get that, that clinching piece of evidence that we always wanted. But their fortunes soon change when 27-year-old Brooks Myers, a local trucker, hands over some old letters he found when his ex-girlfriend moved out. Seems they mention the murder of Tammy Petron. He had never seen him before. He read those letters and did the right thing, brought him to the police station. When police read these page-turners, they know someone they had their eye on six years earlier was up to no good all along. The writer was none other than Ronald Harnois, Tammy's bigamist husband, telling his daughter how he planned to keep Tammy from testifying at his attempted murder trial. Ronald Harnois had asked Stephen Wilson and Gary Maxey to either hurt or kill Tammy so he would be able to get out of the, the charge. But the plot failed, and Ronald was convicted anyway. So now he's sitting in a cell for life. These letters certainly confirmed what we already knew, that Ronald Harmar is diabolical um, and lives in this kind of crazy fantasy world of like, cheap dime store crime novels. But investigators wonder how exactly Ronald roped Stephen and Gary into doing his dirty work. A little research reveals the three men all shared the same address shortly before the murders. We knew through prison records that both of them were in prison at the same time that uh, Ronald Hanwha was there. So it could be Ronald approached the pair on the inside and offered to pay them to kill Tammy. I didn't believe that that was far-fetched at all. And we had so much evidence already about how deceptive and manipulative he was. But if investigators confront Ronald about his prison pals, he'll probably deny everything. So that leaves Stephen Wilson and Gary Maxey. And that's when prosecutor Patrick Youngs gets a shocking phone call. Detective Kane called me one day and said Stephen Wilson was dead. I said, oh my God, 
How did he die? Seems the druggie was newly out of jail when he went back to his old habit and OD'd. So, with Stephen Wilson silenced for good, police know Gary Maxey may be their only shot at finding the truth. We always viewed him as one of the major keys to this case. His mother's car was outside the restaurant. His girlfriend's car was outside the apartment. It's clear Gary's involved. But what role did he really play in the murders? Back on the streets, detectives hunt him down and haul him back to the station to learn the truth once and for all. I really lost my temper with him said, you know, you're kind of going to jail. We weren't playing around anymore. And if you're going to maintain this lie, then we're going to prosecute you. Realizing Young's isn't bluffing, Gary decides to put his cards on the table. And what he says confirms what investigators suspected all along. That Ronald Harnois was the mastermind behind this sinister murder-for-hire plot. Gary takes investigators down memory lane, beginning with the time he met Ronald behind bars. Uh, Ronald had actually asked him to do the murder, but he told him that that's something that he could never do. But he did agree to assist. In exchange for helping, Ronald promises to hook Gary up with a job at a local gym. Gary tells investigators Ronald then convinced fellow inmate Stephen Wilson to pull the trigger. Ronald Harwalk was a good talker. And um, I'm sure he convinced Stephen Wilson that if you kill Tammy, when I get out, because I'll get out right away, I'll pay you. And Stephen Wilson was always looking for a buck. And he had no qualms about killing Tammy or Jenna Valletta. Stephen agrees to do the deadly deed for dirt cheap, only a few grand. And when the pair is released a couple of weeks later, Gary hooks Stephen up with some wheels. Gary gives him his girlfriend's car to track Tammy and then passes him the keys to his mother's car on the day of the murder. With Gary's confession, investigators finally fill in the blanks to this puzzling case. We've all been dreaming about the day Gary Maxey finally tells us what happened, because not only does it make the case better, it answers our questions. Youngs agrees to let Gary off with probation for testimony that nails Ronald Harnois to the crime. Although Ronald maintains his innocence, on November 3rd, 2000, nine years after the murders of Tammy Petrin and Jenner Valeda, Ronald Harnois is found guilty on two counts of murder and is sentenced to life in prison without parole. It gives me some sense of satisfaction that we worked so hard and got the result we, we, we wanted to get against some pretty long odds. Although Stephen Wilson, the alleged trigger man, died before he could ever be brought to justice, Sergeant Kane knows they caught the real killer. I really feel that justice was served. I would have liked to have seen Stephen Wilson go to jail, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But being the mastermind that Ronald Hanwha was and the deceptive person that Ronald Hanwha was, I absolutely feel that justice was done Piecing together Gary Maxey's testimony and the evidence, police believe this is what happened on that Tuesday morning. When Tammy arrives at work at the crack of dawn, Stephen is waiting in the shadows. 
I suspect that Stephen had been stalking her for a while. He knew her habits. He would have known by then that she's often the first person to arrive in the morning. When Stephen sees Tammy, he pounces, dragging her to an exit door at gunpoint. He forced his way into the building and took both Tammy Petron and Jenna Valeta into an area adjacent to the kitchen. There, Stephen forces Tammy and Janitor Jenner to lie down on the floor and shoots them in the back of the head. Stephen drives off, but his screeching tires leave behind a trail of clues that eventually leads police to a gang of killers. We were able to get justice for Tammy. We were able to get justice for Jenner. And we were able to put away a monster that should never be allowed to be out of prison again. For Ron Petron, although his loving sister is gone, her memory is still alive in his heart and is always on display in his home. I actually have a collage of my sister hanging in my living room that I walk by every day. There's a lot of pictures of uh, my sister and I as kids with my parents, and, and it's, it's probably my most prized keepsake in my house. Folks in Woonsocket breathe a sigh of relief now that the murderous mastermind is behind bars, and they won't let the memory of that terrible Tuesday morning change the way they feel about their quiet river town. Socket has a strong small town feel, and I think that's what keeps a lot of people here. You know, you hear it said a lot. It's almost cliche when Socket's a city with a big heart. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.